Welcome back to Grace for Your Journey podcast, special edition Friday. Thank you so much for being here. I am Pastor Terry, and we are looking at the end of the world. Is it the end of the world? Has time come to an end? Are we close to everything being over? Well, the Bible speaks a lot about that, actually, and we've been looking at that. Now, last time, I just want to go back and remind you of just a couple of things that are important foundationally to talk about today, and then our third episode, which will be next Friday. Remember, God uses prophecy as a roadmap, right, to help us understand what he's doing and how to know him. There were over 300 prophecies um, in the Bible about Jesus' coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. And so 300 times in the Bible, God said, my son is coming, my son is coming, my son is coming. And and it's it's a address. It's a way to identify without a doubt who Jesus is, the Messiah, son of God, savior of the world, a way to identify that without any hesitation, evasion, or, or reservation. Really, I mean, if you look at the prophecies about Jesus, it's clear who he is. So God uses prophecies to tell us who Jesus is and the other way he uses prophecies primarily. Now, let me just say there were some regional prophecies that God would give to specific areas, specific countries, specific times, but it's pretty restricted to that. And, and scripture is pretty clear and it's pretty easy to pick out if he's given a prophecy about a king of that day, because he'll usually name them or a country of that time. He'll usually name it. It's pretty easy to pick up on that. But the second way, big way that God uses prophecy is not just to tell us about Jesus' first coming, but about his second coming, when the world ends and time is no more. Now, there's a second principle you got to know. First principle is God God gives addresses because he wants you to find the truth and live the truth. Okay, principle one. Principle two, the bigger the prophecy and the longer you have it, the greater the judgment on the other side. Look at Jesus. Jesus came. There were prophecies for 2,000 years. He came. If you miss Jesus, you spend an eternity separated from God. An eternity separated from the Lord in a place called hell, right? Um, But as long as you live, you get to recognize Jesus, respond to him, and embrace him as Lord. Now, the other set of prophecies is the end of the world. Jesus has come and gone on earth, right? It's 2,000 years ago, but the world hasn't ended. So add another 2,000 years to the prophecy megaphone, if you will, screaming out. It's like God screaming out, the world's going to end. It is absolutely going to end. And if you miss this without coming to Christ, there is no second chance. The longer and stronger the prophetic word, the shouting, if you will, from the scriptures, the greater the judgment. And this judgment, if you miss it, is going to be final. Um, and forever, to be sure. Now, we also talked about, the other thing we talked about is is God using Israel as the prophetic time clock. Not the only time clock, but the primary time clock. Where does that come from? Well, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says this. The Lord is speaking. It says, Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem, capital of Israel, a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. What he says there is, Israel simply says, look, Jerusalem is going to become a problem, not because they're going to make problems. They're just going to be a problem. If you listen to people talk about their hatred of the Jewish people and of the Jewish state Israel, it doesn't make sense. I mean, here's a country, right? Let me tell you how small it is. Take California, 20 and a half Israels, right? The country Israel, it would take to fill the state of California. That's how small this country is. But for some reason, people are stirred with either a love or a hatred for Israel. Well, 
that is a product of prophecy. The Lord says, hey, look, I am going to make Israel a cup of staggering, a cup of trouble. It's it's going to be a place that just causes problems because people just aren't going to like it. Then he goes on, on that day, he says, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves and all the nations of the earth, listen, will gather against it. Now on that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open when I do this. So in other words, God says, here's what's going to happen. As the time winds down to the end, as we approach the end of time, things in Israel are going to heat up. People are going to line against it. Countries are going to line against it. It's going to be hard to find a good thing said about Israel. It is going to be the place where people look to and know that there's trouble and there's problems. So we talked about that last time. Now, moving forward, um, there are two things from a prophetic standpoint that signal the end. I mean, like the end is imminent. It doesn't mean tomorrow, but it is coming and it's coming fast. Now, the first thing happened um, in May 14th, 1948. Now, Zechariah's prophecy could not have been true prior to that. Could have been true. Israel could not be a struggle for people prior to May 14th, 1948. And why? Because it wasn't a nation. It wasn't a state. They were still dispersed. There was Jews in the area, but there was no country. There was no identified Israel with Jerusalem, the capital. It just wasn't that, right? It just wasn't there. So on May 14th, 1948, the United Nations came together and declared Israel as a nation again. And it marked off the territory. Now, the territory has been in dispute. We won't get into all of that. But it marked off a territory, gave the Jews a state. And that is it. So that's the first thing that had to happen for Zechariah's prophecy to come true. I mean, you had to, you had to have a state if the state's going to be a problem to people. Just sort of makes sense. Now, the second big prophetic event that's going to occur is going to be the rebuilding of the temple. Now, Jesus in Matthew 24 says this. He's been teaching and preaching, talking about um, the end of the age, the end of time. And he says this. Now, Jesus left the temple. He had been teaching there. It was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered, you see all these, don't you? Truly, I say to you, there will not be one left here, not one stone upon another. Um, They will all be torn apart and thrown down. Jesus right there predicted, prophetically uttered the destruction of the temple. Now, you got to know how horrible that was for for the Jews listening, because all of his followers at this point, save maybe one, was Jewish. The temple was the center of their religious life. Without the temple, without um, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, right, without the priestly orders, sacrifices could not be made to atone, to take care of, right, to pay the price for the sins of the people. So the people would walk around heavy laden and just weighted down by their sin and their rebellion. And in their system, there was no way to get that off. Oh man, the guilt, the shame, all the stuff that was going on, they just just couldn't get it off. So the temple being destroyed was horrible religiously. Second, it was horrible financially for the religious elite. 
For the Sadducees and the Pharisees uh, and the priests who ran the temple, they made money off of this deal. <laughs> I mean, understand they did. Uh, they had systems developed where when you would come to offer your offering to the Lord for atonement, for the forgiveness of your sins, or at the birth of a child, whatever, they offered sacrifices for several different things. Your sacrifice often would be found not meeting rabbinical standards. In other words, had a flaw on it somewhere, either actual or maybe sort of perceived. And so here's what they would do. They would reject your animal. You could take it home. All right, you can have it. But then you had to buy their animal and you had to buy it at their price. And oh, let me throw the kicker in. Your money, Roman money wasn't good enough. It was unholy. So you had to have temple money. And so then they jacked up the exchange rates. And so they were getting you with selling them an animal that was overpriced, and then you had to exchange your money, and they were taking advantage of that. That's why Jesus, just prior to this, you know, went in and said, look, my house will be a house of prayer. It's not going to be a den of thieves. And he got mad, tipped over the money changers. That's what it means to change money. They were um, cheating people on exchange rates. Tipped over the money changers and threw them out. So Jesus is predicting, prophetically saying, the destruction of this temple is going to be huge, right? Was Then it was culturally. Culturally, that was their identity as a people and as a religion. And so here's, here's Jesus predicting this. So does it happen? 70 years later, AD 70, there was a Jewish uprising in Jerusalem. Roman legions were sent in to, to squash it and to kill everybody and destroy any major gathering place of Jews. The temple was absolutely, utterly destroyed and it was laid bare. So, Jesus prophesied about it, and it absolutely happened. Now, he goes on. Now, why is that important? Why is it important? Because in the end times, as we approach the end, and we'll get to this in the next session a little bit, we're going to see that the Antichrist, the replacement Christ, goes into the temple and declares himself Lord and Savior. You can't do that unless there's a temple, right? can't go into the temple unless there is one. So a third temple is right now being planned. Actually, true information. Um, the Sanhedrin, which is the governing body of Judaism, is already working with um, the Temple Mount Institute, and they have every single item needed to restock and replenish the kingdom according to biblical standards. Very detailed, a lot of ornate stuff, and very strict standards. They've already built that. They have a plan. They have the blueprints now of the building of the third temple. And they believe that Benjamin Netanyahu is privately sending money to Temple Mount Institute to prepare the way for the temple to be built. Now, from a prophetic time clock, these, these are the two biggest things as believers we need to watch for. Israel becoming a state and when they start to build that temple. Now, next time, we're going to look at the condition of the world at the end. We're going to look at what's going on in the world when Christ returns and time is no more. I hope you'll tune back in with us next Friday. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, we love you so much. Thank you for timing your word, time talking about the end. Lord, help us, please, to share the gospel and your love and your grace as the end approaches. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us, and we'll talk again next time. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Grace for Your Journey podcast. I pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. 
pass it around if you think it would help somebody. And we look forward to you dropping by again for another episode of the Grace for Your Journey podcast.